it's time to share your story. Welcome to Revealing Conversations with Patron Nicole. Heart-led discussions that reveal, release, and unveil. You will leave this hour lighter, brighter, and inspired. And now, here's Patron Nicole. Good morning, everyone, and happy Tuesday. We're close to Halloween. Uh, Lots of planning going on with parties all around us. We have this uh, extraordinary place down in Medford, and some people called today to have a party for 97 people. I had to really think about if I should uh, agree to that or not. Um, That would be quite the party. Um, Today, I have a very special guest uh, who is also on the line with us right now, but I do want to talk about something that is very dear to my heart. I uh, was just teaching a workshop on Sunday, emotional energy therapy that I do, and I had a beautiful group of people, including four men, which is always wonderful when men show up in the group and we have a nice balance between female and male energy. And one of the things that we talked about was uh, ho'oponopono. So for those of you that think that that sounds pretty funny, I want to share with you what that is. Ho'oponopono, it's spelled H-O apostrophe O-P-O-N-O apostrophe P-O-N-O. So lots of P's and lots of O's. And it's Hawaiian Family Therapy. And it's a uh, it's something that was uh, actually written about by Joe Vitale, who was one of the people on The Secret, the movie. And that's when I heard about it years and years ago. And I started practicing it. And it really, really works. So if you have a situation in your life right now where you're not able to move forward or you can't resolve it, then just practice whole ponopono and I'll teach you this right now. So this started uh, with a Hawaiian therapist who cured an entire word of criminally insane patients without ever meeting any of them or spending a moment in the same room. So how is this possible? It's not a joke. The therapist was Dr. E. Haleakula Hugh Len. E. Haleakula Hugh Len. He reviewed each of the patient's files, and then he healed them by healing himself. The amazing results that he had were like a miracle. But then again, you know and I know miracles do happen when we use Ho'oponopono. So it is a self-identity through Ho'oponopono. It's called S-I-T-H, self-identity through Ho'oponopono. And the way this works is that when we say to something that is outside of our control, forgive me, I'm sorry, thank you, and I love you, we say this to ourselves by healing ourselves because we could not be in the environment or in the energy field for something to take place to participate in unless somewhere we were moving that same energy through our body. And so when you say quietly to yourself, like you don't have to say this outwardly to anyone, you don't have to say it to someone who's just maybe upset you or who you have maybe some problems with at work, 
you don't have to say to them, you know, forgive me, I'm sorry, thank you, I love you. You You say this internally like a mantra and you repeat it and you will observe after doing this for a few days how your body frequency or your vibration will change and how much better you will feel and how the other person might completely change as well and react differently toward you. And it's magical. I practiced this when my son was a teenager and he was a little defiant. And I found myself uh, temporarily stepping into my mother's body. It was, as I always said, I would not do the things my mother and my father did. And I'm sure so many of you are listening right now saying, I am not going to be like them or I'm not going to raise my children like this. Or, you know, my parents were wonderful, but there was definitely some disagreement when I was a teenager. So I would say to my son when he didn't want to clean his room or listen to me, I would stop talking. I would stop telling him what to do. And I would just quietly say to myself, forgive me, I'm sorry, thank you, I love you. And because the energy was so loving and so balanced and grounded within that frequency, my son changed and he would then clean his room without me even saying something. And so what it means when you say to someone, I am sorry, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're saying, you know, you have to, uh, you know, not be in a conversation if they did something that they sh- you feel they should be sorry for. But it will really beckon them to more uh, come towards you and want to apologize. And so, again, it's I'm sorry, please forgive me, I love you, thank you. And you can change the sequence. Go to my blog on patronicol.com, P-E-T-R-A-N-I-C-O-L-L, and there is a whole article on Ho'oponopono. And I think we should have little downloads on Ho'oponopono and listen to it when we feel upset because it's very, very powerful. But I want to move on to my guest today, who is a very special woman. Her name is Selena Maitreya, and she's a spiritual teacher, also a contributing author to the Life Sparks book that uh, is a chapter that she wrote, Who Knew the Chapter is Called? And it's an inspiring story that reminds us that it's not the events in our lives that matter, but it is truly our response to all of life's twists and turns that brings us peace or not. Selena Maitreya is an internationally celebrated lecturer, author, and is now a teacher of practical spirituality. Practical spirituality refers to the use in one's daily life as the practice pad for increased consciousness and connection to higher wisdom, which results in deep, rich, peaceful lives that are grounded in true abundance. So, Selena, are you on the other line? Yes, of course. How are you? Hello. I am doing quite well. It's so nice to meet you. I know we had an opportunity to talk briefly over the phone, so I was very excited for this phone call today. So I'm so happy you're here. Hi. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to it as well. 
So, Selena, I was reading your story in the Life Sparks book on the other 21 authors, and your story is it's, it's absolutely extraordinary what uh, took place. It's uh, from being a, a business consultant to photographers worldwide, running 10 gardens, you know, having this very big life to suddenly having challenges, physical challenges to even walk. So can you share a little bit about your story? Um, yes, um, I, um, I did. I had a very full life. I was the mother of two boys, a single parent. Their father was very involved, but I was primarily responsible for their finances and a lot of their daily life. I've had a consulting business for photographers around the world for, at that point, over 30 years. Um, I'd written two books, lectured over 100 times to support the books and the business. And I was very involved with my neighbors. We saved over 170 acres of land. So I just had this very busy life that I totally loved. And um, it was time for me to sell my house. My boys were um, living with their fiancés, women who are now their fiancés with their girlfriends then. And, you know, as time goes on, it was time for me to sell the house and come into my own life and build a new life. And so I put the house on the market, and I had chosen New York City to move to. I lived in the country in Massachusetts for 20 years. And um, the day before my closing, the two days before my closing, when I was on the way to my house from a local motel to clean it for the last time because my house was empty, um, I had a life-changing event that didn't leave me unable to walk physically, um, but I I suffered a severe brain injury. And I was completely taken out of my life for uh, many, many months. Um, I've had my first, this happened in 2013, and my first day back at more than four hours of work was last January. So it was two and a half years of healing uh, before I was able to come back into the world. But the, that was the physical aspect of who I am. What happened was that during the time that I was not able to use my brain in a way that most of us are or even have the capabilities or the capacity, um, I was given the entree to a whole other world that we never really get to access unless we um, really choose to go into deep meditation. And I was given access to that world constantly. So it was a beautiful, amazing experience. It was difficult physically, but quite wonderful from a spiritual perspective. So was it uh, similar to crossing over or having having a, an experience, like a near-death experience, would you say? Or was it uh, more um, meditating for many hours and leaving your body and and living in that bliss and that light that people experience well I don't think it was either of those it's very hard to explain um, but but let me just share with those that are listening that basically what happened is I was driving in my car and a woman ran a red light and when she hit my car um, you know there's two worlds to look at this in the physical world it was explained to me that I was knocked out on impact my experience was that as soon as I went to the light the car filled with light 
of a, of a degree that I've never experienced, and I honestly don't have words to describe what it was like to not exist. But basically my experience was one minute I'm driving in the car, and the next minute I the car fills with light, and I don't, I just, I look back now and say, I just didn't exist. And the feeling of not existing is beyond words. That feeling is what I would have access to in the days and weeks and months and even years to come when I would lie down and simply close my eyes with no more effort than that. I had an entree to a world that truly goes beyond any words that we can use here. It's like trying to describe something in French in English. Uh, There's no language, really, that I know of for the experience. We could call it ultimate peace. We could call it bliss. Um, But it was just... um, there there was no effort there was no striving there was there was nothing it was just it was magical and it was uh you know, I, I really truly didn't want to come out of it so i would obviously when i had to um but it it's hard to de- describe but it was just quite wonderful and during this time um in the car when I was in the car um, and I had come back into consciousness and many magical things happened. It was, you know, while I was sitting at the red light, I had an Audi convertible and my top was down because it had been a beautiful morning. And as I'm sitting at the red light waiting to go, clouds came over. So I pushed the button and I put the top up and then I proceeded. That was pretty magical. The fact that I was told later on that by this state trooper that, um, I had been hit by the woman, and she had spun my car around and was dragging me over to a pole that would have killed me if I had hit it, and I landed um, three inches from it. And my experience in the car was that when I was brought back into consciousness, the first thing I very clearly heard was steer to the right, and I saw a pole in front of me and steered away. So there were very magical things that happened for sure, um, during this time, but but one of the um, pieces of ease that I had was that while I was waiting for the ambulance to come and I was conscious, a spirit came through and said, we've created this. We've created this experience as um, a response to your question of how do I become a teacher. We're taking you out of your daily life, and we didn't give you any you know, you'll come out of this car physically unhurt because we didn't think that broken bones and cuts would serve the purpose we have, but you will be brought into a new life that will be very different than anything you've experienced, and we ask you to completely surrender and cooperate because, you know, we've created this experience for you, and ultimately everything will be fine. We will take care of it all. So that was really helpful. That's incredible. That is incredible. So, so how long? Um, I I've had similar experiences um, with my own near death experience, and also um, practicing meditation ten hours a day for eleven years. So that place of peace that you're describing, and there are really no words to find in the English language 
to explain to people what that is like other than bliss, absolute bliss and warmth and love and ecstasy. Or, you know, it's difficult uh, to relate this uh, to someone who hasn't been to that place. But I uh, encourage people always, you know, to find time to sit quietly and close their eyes and just not have so much going on and be so busy all the time because we're all running too much. We're, we're all on the go constantly. And it's it's obviously not good for us to do that. So how, how are you, so how have you integrated all of this download? I mean, you probably have your neural nets rebuilt and you probably have a, a very different life at this time. So tell well, actually, you know, it's, um, a little yeah. bit about it. Yeah, um, what happened during the time that I was um, taken out of my life and unable to really communicate or, I mean, just to set the picture of what it looked like, um, I landed in New York City. And New York City is um, not a place you want to be with a major brain injury. I was I was diagnosed three days later when I was taken to the hospital, as Spirit said, not a broken bone, not a scratch, and I thought I had, I had, you know, been blessed and escaped, and and my car was totaled. Uh, there was jaws of life to get me out of the car. It was a really major event. And um, a few days later, I was completely debilitated. So it kept getting worse, and I had to go to New York to get this apartment. My, I had no car. I had no house. So I was basically not only um, transportationless but homeless. And I needed to take this apartment in New York. It was the only option I had. So friends came and took care of me, and I recovered at their farm for just three weeks. But it wasn't as if I was getting better. I was getting worse. And my neurologist felt that it would be, a, you know, one month to six months, and then it was six months to a year when I didn't get better. And then at a year they said, well, with brain injuries, this is how well you'll be, which just isn't what I accept. During this time, from the time I was in the, you know, landed in New York, I wasn't able to go on trains or buses. I couldn't have conversations. I could walk and move my body, but I wasn't able um, to, to sustain any type of effort, and I was completely exhausted. But spirit was continually coming through with downloads, and I would speak into my phone and just record the lessons that that they shared with me and the information they shared with me that I was to teach. And they also were very, were very clear on the fact that they were, had taken me out of my life to completely change my energetics and, and change my energetic system. And um, I have that experience. So while I experienced myself as with all the memories that I had or most of the memories I had before, um, I feel as if I'm a very different person. So there really was no incorporating this into my life, uh, to answer your question, uh, Petra, because spirit changed the dynamics of my frequency uh, for me. And so that my, um, I, my job was not to do anything. My job was just to surrender and to go with whatever was happening um, regardless of how difficult it was, and ha- use this as the ultimate, at, to that point, a practice of trust and faith and openness 
mm-hmm. and knowing that whatever happened from my financial situation completely upended because I had committed to an apartment that was $3,500 a month, just the rent. And I had no idea of where my money was coming from, and I did not have a substantial bank account because I was the primary support of two boys with college for the last 15 years. So I had to, mm-hmm. from a financial to a work point to just the, I, you know, anybody who's had a traumatic brain injury and not able to be in the world after being so independent and self-supporting understands the challenge of complete surrender, but it wasn't challenging for me at all. It was very, very easy, and I felt very grateful to Spirit because that's all I had to do was to surrender and to so be in the moment. There has never been another experience in my life where all I could be, all I was capable of was truly being in the moment because I couldn't sustain anything else. So I had this gift of being given the opportunity to be in a place that I had strived for for many years. Well, being in the now, you know, that's the that's the ultimate le- lesson. Um, did you ever read um, Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now? Yes, of course. You, and so I had this opportunity. Asked? I had this mm-hmm. opportunity to live, uh, and it wasn't an effort. That's. That's where I give spirit all of the credit. It wasn't as if I was through this brain injury, made this great heroic effort. No, spirit came in and completely transfigured me. So all I was able to be was to be in the present moment. And it's so fascinating, really, and and I really ask everyone to think about this, because neurologists, my neurologist explained this as, well, that's all your brain was capable of. And that may be, but we are more than our brain. It's going back to, as you were just saying, Eckhart Tolle, the whole purpose of that book is how we are not just our brain. And so we are energy frequencies. And we don't, we may speak about energy, but very often we don't recognize and work with those energy frequencies. So what was happening for me is spirit was working completely with my higher and lower frequencies. And because of all the work I've done since I was 16 years old in spirit, I was primed for this so that when they came, you know, it's time for them to come in and do that last bit of tweaking and big tweaking. And they basically shifted my frequencies so that really what it looked like to my neurologist was my brain injury was keeping me from being able to process more than one thing at a time on a spiritual level, as you so beautifully said, Petra. That's what we aim for, and that's that's where mm-hmm. where I was and where I continue to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I live... Um... I mean, I, I do this radio show, but I live a pretty isolated life, you know. If I'm not book signing or something, I'd like to, I like a lot of, I need a lot of alone time because of uh, that very um, thing you just spoke of is, is being with myself and just being in the now and being in that peace. And it rejuvenates me each time when I have one or two days by myself and I can just end and be present in the moment looking out to the lake and 
I, when you when we have that luxury, like spirit gave you an opportunity to just say, okay, we're not going to give you a choice to analyze or jump into the future or the past. You're going to be in the here and the now, and we're going to rebuild you. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> well, it, it's also the, the work that they gave me is to teach people how to do that because while you're absolutely mm-hmm. correct, it's a luxury that some people look at it as a luxury. It's actually an actuality that we can give ourselves mm-hmm. when we choose to um, to use our life as the opportunity to grow our consciousness because it's the way we respond to the, irrit- the small irritations in our life up to the very mm-hmm. great difficulties that determines whether we have that presence or not and whether we have the mm-hmm. peace from that presence or not. So... What's really um, been the continuing gift is the opportunity that I have to help others to learn how to have that presence in their life moment to moment and not treat it just as a luxury, but to have it as a wonderful reality because you don't need to have spirit come and tweak you very dramatically the way they did for me. We can create this. And that was their whole purpose was I had been quite along the way on the path of um, I had been making my life my practice for many, many years um, for the last 16 or 17 years, and I had really dramatically changed how I was in the world in response to other people, and they wanted me to be able to teach that to other people, and they wanted me Mm -hmm. to be able to have specific information that would help others to access this as a tool for their life because when we stop seeing our brain, you know, they, they, I'm writing a book called Practical Spirituality that they're downloading and one of the many brilliant truths that they're sharing is it's not what, you know, the whole idea of change your thinking, change your life is incomplete. It's change your frequency and change your life mm-hmm. because the brain. You know, that's why I, I, I had a real problem with uh, the movie The Secret because it was all about law of attraction and changing your thinking. When it's an actual fact, with my background in meditation, it's about the frequency, just exactly like you're saying. A very exciting work to be involved with because it is the vibration, frequency in the body, not the thoughts alone that matter so so if you if you um, uh, met me and I came to you as a student and and I said okay Selena please uh, teach me this I I need to come into the present moment I need to be in the now what would you how would you go about that with someone who is maybe very busy or has a job who is is in, in the life that you were in in a busy busy life Well, it really depends on each person, but I would certainly explain to them what practical spirituality is about and how how it is that we do use our daily life as the palette so they would understand the the principle and then we would talk about the difference between frequency and the brain and I would explain to them that the brain, as, neuro, as, as neuroscientists have said, the brain can't create anything new. It recognizes that which it already knows. And when we consider that and we consider the fact that what the brain truly does is it creates structure 
and action and plans around whatever frequency is in our system. And we, we have higher frequency, which is what we were all born with, uh, which is the frequency of our soul, and we have lower frequency, which is our frequency of fear, which stems from our life experiences, from the DNA history, from our, um, our personality development. And so I, I explain to people how when the lower frequency of fear exists, the brain then constructs thoughts and feelings, which are thoughts moving through the body around that. And when we are in our higher knowing, our higher frequency, the brain will construct thoughts and words and emotions around that. And because we are all connected through the oneness that is, which is why the wonderful Hawaiian phrase that you shared is effective, because we are all connected through a higher frequency. Everyone has the higher frequency within them that when we're able to, first of all, recognize which frequency we're in, we're able to access that, we're able to acknowledge it, and we're able to then choose to shift from a low frequency to a high frequency, we are then able to create the next moment in time. So I would explain, I know this is an awful lot all at once, but I would explain the principles of practical spirituality and this whole experience of how energy works to a student. And then we go into a looking at where they are in their life, which are what relationships exist, what situations happen where they experience irritation and disconnection from their highest frequency of love. And we work with those situations and experiences, and then I provide tools and practices that they can use so that when they're in these situations, they can recognize the low frequency and they have tools to recognize, to shift the frequency, and to move themselves in a higher frequency. Um, you know, the world is very crazy and chaotic, and it's not, you know, the situations that present themselves. It truly is indeed how we respond. So, when we have someone who's responding to us, whether it be somebody cutting us off on the road or, you know, scooping a seat on the bus, and we have this tightened lower frequency response to that, we're creating more of that. If we can even in simplest of situations see a situation happen, notice our emotional response and have our emotions become an alarm clock that remind us to respond from a higher frequency, then we create that next moment from a higher frequency rather from the low frequency that was presented to us. And if we extrapolate that one small situation out to our daily life, we can see how we have hundreds of opportunities in a day for us to practice Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly... um, uh, what um, the similar work that I teach, I'm not saying it's, it's uh, close. I don't. I have not taken your workshops, but I would love to, and I can't wait for the book to come out. Practical spirituality. What a, a fantastic title! I'm just uh, in front of uh, my iPad here, and I pulled up on Amazon. There's a book called The Power of Personal Vibration. It's a it's a really amazing book as well. 
and it is so true, it's always the response mechanism that counts. So if someone attacks me and I respond with anger and rage, that changes my frequency. But the question is, you know, should I let that person then come towards me? You know, it's like hold the other cheek. Or if I if I am in a situation like what's happened in Haiti with all these poor people that have been, you know, in, put in such a dire straits without food or shelter, it is uh, so difficult in some areas of the world to even have the opportunity to um, think about this even. You know, we are so privileged that we have an opportunity here in the West to um, to go deeper into... Well, well let's, let's address right. that. Yes. Let's address that because you bring up a couple of things. First of all, if you spoke to people who go to Haiti, they will tell you that the Haitian people are what they would call the most remarkably positive, loving people. For everything Mm -hmm. that has happened in Haiti, and there's a brilliant, brilliant uh, writer named Edwidge Danticott who writes beautiful novels about Haiti. And if you were to read her writing, you would see how difficult the Haitian folks have had it for centuries in terms of prejudice um, from their neighboring countries through all the natural disasters, yet they have been described as some of the most positive and loving people um, Mm -hmm. one by one. So that's a very interesting thing to note, that that has Mm -hmm. not stopped them from having a reputation as a country of being people who are just so positive. And secondly, I think the, the first part of that question is a very interesting one and one that students bring up to me all the time, which is, Selena, are you saying that I should tolerate poor behavior by other people? And I want to be so clear. It's not about whether you tolerate it. We have choice. So what we're talking about is not asking anyone to tolerate or put themselves in the line of any verbal, physical abuse or even behavior that is so vibrationally low that it feels toxic to them. So we all have choice as to who we share our space with, our time with, our thoughts, our emotions, our body. That is so important. Secondly, Mm -hmm. when we are in the presence of people, even people in loving situations, we all know in our romantic partner situations, in our families, even with people who don't even come close to falling in the categories of what, we've, what I've just suggested, that we're all in a place where we, you know, every once in a while we snap at people or other people are irritated or they have less of a consciousness or, as you said, they may have a more difficult life than we do. So it's, what we're asking people to do is not accept responsibility for anybody else's behavior, but accept responsibility for their own. And in accepting responsibility for our own behavior, as a person becomes conscious and understands that they are watching, for instance, their own frequency of response to another, if they are in a situation with someone who is constantly... Um, they find themselves with a certain person always having to work very hard to be kind because the other person isn't, or perhaps they're always doing the work because the other person isn't, then that's an opportunity for them to ask 
Why am I here? Should I stay here? And if I should, if I stay here, am I being, am I, am I choosing to stay here because this is for my growth? And and then as you continue to look at that, if you stay there, is this time for me to no longer be here? So the whole idea is this is progressive, this evolves, and if we have our awareness on a particular relationship where we're never feeling comfortable, we need to ask ourselves, mm-hmm. why are we here? And there are times we're here for our growth, and there are times it no longer serves to be here. And that's how we know. Instead of our brain, instead of going and saying, oh, you know, it, it, having an emotional response to somebody and deciding to no longer be in a relationship or, or friends with a person because of something they've said, this is a different process. This is a more um, a, a process that doesn't rely just on thoughts. It relies on your individual truth of why you were here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Is that and, helpful? You know, sometimes uh, people um, come to to uh, my coaching classes or, or coach with me one on one, and uh, talk about you know toxic work environments or relationships that are toxic. And the question is, you know, if you cannot keep your vibration up. It was in a in a certain situation, whether that's a toxic environment with coworkers, uh, there is you know you can you have the choice to feel whatever you're feeling. So if you if you want to feel uh, upset and and easily wounded by whatever somebody says, then that means that perhaps you need to take a look at what's going on really within your own emotional state. And so, it, you know, we can dig a lot deeper when people express their experiences in the outside world. And that's why I loved uh, uh, Ho'oponopono, the work that you're doing so much, uh, because ultimately, even for our country, whether it's in the microcosm cosm or the macrocosm, it's the same thing. I mean, we see this in politics where if we're reacting with anger and upsetness, then we're creating more of it. Would you like to speak on that a little bit? Well, I would agree. I mean, we are a microcosm. We are we are all of the oneness. And for me, the word oneness simply refers to the frequency of the higher energy that we all have within us. It's, you know, a baby, a little baby comes into a room, and almost every person to a one in that room will look at that child. And it's not because babies are always cute. It's because there is a, there is a frequency in that child that is so loud and clear, and it is the frequency that is within each of us. But many of us have forgotten and have buried the frequency of love, which is what we are, which is the higher wisdom of what we are, which is really the frequency of love is manifested in this world as many words that we know, as kindness, as compassion, as understanding, as tolerance, uh, as patience, as wisdom, as gratitude, as grace. And we are all of those. We, we have the capability to be the many manifestations of that frequency, but that baby is all of it, all in one. There is no developed personality yet. There is no history of fear covering up this frequency. There is nothing but, but, but complete love, and that is why people are drawn to this child. 
And so that is the frequency we all have. That's what connects us. That's why when the towers fell in New York and everybody got together uh, in this country and people were helping each other, that's why when we have great tragedies of catastrophic proportion, um, natural catastrophes, people come to help because we really, when push comes to shove, it's that frequency that is activated and we are accessing that as a group. And so as we individually work to, to shift, because what I do as a teacher is I help people to individually shift from being mind and emotionally centered to having their intuitive body, come, their higher wisdom, come forward. And the only way you can have that come forward in physical world is to use it. There are rules in, in the physical world like gravity, and we can't be that of which we truly are unless we use it. It's like you go to a gym, Petra, and you pick up a weight. Your, your muscle is not going to grow unless you continually use that weight. And it grows and grows and grows, and you never see it until you've made enough progress where that weight, where that muscle, rather, becomes visible. Well, our spirit, our a higher frequency is the same way. So the more we start to respond individually in our lives, to everything from one of the many manifestations of love, from patience, from kindness, from compassion, which, as you pointed out, is a great deal of work. But the more we do that, the more we become that. So if one becomes that more individually, then, of course, as a nation, of course, as a world, we can do that. So when people come to me and they wonder, I'm so concerned about the state of the world, I share with them the the most accessible thing you can do is to be the kindest, the wisest, the most compassionate, the most understanding person you can be because then your frequency is adding to the world and will be experienced through the oneness. And so, yes, of course, the more we become more of who we already are, the more we not only help ourselves, but we help the world. Exactly, and, and I'm sure you're familiar with Dr. Masaru Emoto's work about the water yes, crystals, yes. where yes. he uh, took uh, water from the Fujiyama Dam in uh, Japan, and they um, it was under a microscope. It looked absolutely terrible. It was yellow and ugly looking, and then they froze it, and he had taken this water from the freezer and had monks pray over the water, and then when they looked at it, without filtering or without touching the water, the same water completely changed in its crystal formation and looked comp- so beautiful after monks prayed over it. So it's a, it's a power where, you know, when you're talking about the Haitians and, uh, and, and what, what I noticed just being on the spiritual path with my teacher in India is uh, he always advocated simplicity. It's like material things don't make us better people. Like the more simple we live or the more it doesn't mean we have to, you know, starve or live like in, uh, without, or go without a lot of things. But keeping things simple and not uh, clouding the mind so much with so many objects we have to take care of on a daily basis. As I remember living in this big, big house, and I, I thought, oh, my God, this is a beautiful house, and there's all this external beauty, but all I'm doing is taking, making sure this house is okay all the time, you know? <laughs> and, and so my time is better spent living maybe in a small cottage where I don't have to do anything. <laughs> well, you <laughs> think can, that's, yeah, that's a possibility, I, but it's also right. how you be in that. Yeah, it's a possibility of how you be in that big house. 
you could have that big, beautiful house, but it's how you be in it. And if, if indeed, as you said, if it requires or you choose for it to require to have so many tasks to keep you going, but very often I think people mistake, they mistake what you just said. Um, and, and so I just wanted to, to offer another thought about that, which is that we don't have to live in an ashram. We don't have to live, you know, years ago, if you were a spiritual person, you'd be asked to live in a hut. You'd be asked to be a nun. You'd be asked to give up all of your worldly beliefs. But we have moved on in the progression of how spirituality has centered um, and there are more conscious people on this planet as of 2012 than ever before. So we are no longer asked necessarily to be monks in monasteries. We are asked to do something even more difficult, Petra. We're asked mm-hmm. to be spiritual people in the middle of these busy, productive lives. Now, should we mm-hmm. choose to have simpler lives? Yes. But it's very possible even in our lives where we're working people, which most people need to do, it's very possible to learn how to have that simplicity that your teacher talked of in the midst of what might look to other people like not a simple life. And that's that's the beauty, I think, of learning how to respond to life from our frequencies instead of our brain because our brain will always complicate things. The brain is meant to create structure, to create organization, which is a very, even in its simplest, a complicated process. So when we learn to respond to life from our higher wisdom, which was given to us when we came into this body, then we're able to have that simple life that your teacher was talking about, regardless of what our structures look like. The reason why the the wonderful Hawaiian mantra that you shared is so powerful is because what it does when people don't just say it, but they bring it into their body and they feel it at its ultimate um, expression is they are tapping into that higher frequency. It is a direct connect to the higher frequency within them, and that higher frequency connects to the person who they are uh, visualizing or keeping in their consciousness, and it is a healing practice that directly connects the energy field of the spoken person, the highest energy field, to the highest energy, like when you did that with your son, you were through those vibration, that vibration that those words create, you were connecting on your higher frequency to your son's highest frequency. So that's why I believe that um, practice is so powerful. Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, be in this world but not be off this world is the key. I mean, we're here as stewards of the earth, of stewards of the land, and the Native American Indian people uh, had this. They really understood this. They really understood this living in the moment to, to, with the connection to the earth, to the to the animals, to the animal kingdom, to the rocks, to the minerals. You know, for a while I had a, a sweat lodge on my property, and we did a lot of Native American Indian uh, ceremonies. That was a, a, an incredible blessing to be granted that privilege, and I, I noticed how. Um, 
my connection to spirit after meditating for so many years had changed to coming into a more grounded field with the earth. And so I love that you like to garden because even when I don't have a garden, I still grow tomatoes on my deck. And so do you still garden now, Selena, or you're so busy many, many, many people? No, I, um, I, my life has, my life is never so busy that I can't enjoy. I, I enjoy the moments as they happen. So my life, I, I don't choose to create um, a life where I can't enjoy every moment that's presented to me. First of all, I, I really, um, I really have a lot of responsibilities as my brain has healed. Um, my photography business is active. My spiritual teaching is active. I'm writing a book. Um, I lecture. Um, I, I, you know, I have relationships that I cultivate, but it feels so different to me as I do them. Um, there's no rushing and there's no striving in my life. I moved from New York City. I was guided um, within hours of coming to Woodstock, New York, where I came for the first time, it was never on my horizon, but several people mentioned it, and then I was given a, a direct message to somebody I did not know um, who talked to me about her spiritual um, healing here, and she it was just a whole miraculous series of events that happened this June, and I came up here to visit, and with within days, a house had been presented to me, and I decided to move within three weeks from New York City to Woodstock, New York. And so I live in this beautiful house in the woods where deer and bear and many animals exist, and I love it, Um, and it's beautiful. I don't necessarily garden, but I'm living in the middle of a miraculous part of the world with a a mill pond on the other side of the woods. And I I love nature, and I love, as you had said, that connection is really wonderful. And I love to meditate, and I love to choose to go to quiet. Like yourself, Petra, I spend the majority of my time outside of working by myself. And I I appreciate that, and I love that. But all of that aside, I find that it's really my daily life, that I, I don't just count on my connection for nature or my meditation, because I have so many other moments in my life where I have an opportunity to connect to source and to be the connection that's within me and so for me the beauty of nature i love and i i must say there's not a moment that goes by that i'm not i mean i'm sitting here looking at all of these gorgeous leaves turning and blowing and i'm so grateful that spirit decided to put me here um for sure but i also feel grateful for all the irritating moments and for all the difficulties and for all the challenges because that's where I'm able to still create an opportunity to increase my consciousness because the leaves I enjoy, the people I enjoy, the deer I enjoy, but those moments of difficulty and irritation are times when I get to grow. You know, I have an Israeli friend who says uh, sometimes honey, sometimes onion. That's the way it is. Yeah, (laughs) wonderful. That's a beautiful statement. Isn't that great? So uh, it is. He grew up in a, 
So we lived in an ashram together once a long, long time ago, maybe 25 years ago or 30 years ago. <laughs> he, was, he grew up in a kibbutz, so he, he was a really uh, a fabulous person. So, Selena, will you uh, uh, share with the listener your website? And I think that you have a gift uh, that you would like to share for your meditation. And so if I could have you um, repeat that, that would be great. Yes, well, my website now is my name. It's Selena Maitreya, but it is very soon to be changing over to the words practical spirituality with Selena. So right now it's S-E-L-I-N-A Maitreya, M-A-I-T-R-E-Y-A.com. And there are many articles there that people can read their blog posts that have a lot of truths. You can also find a whole series of um, teachings, beautiful visual teachings that are a minute and a half a piece from Spirit on YouTube under my name, um, and they'll come up for you. They're really quite wonderful. You can choose whichever teaching you want to be your guide for the day or the week. And then the meditation that I'd love to share with your audience is called the Golden Light Meditation, and it's uh, I believe you have the access on the blog talk page there. It's a little too long for me to repeat here. Um, but it is a beautiful meditation that takes less than 10 minutes that really fills you with uh, light and shifts you into the high frequency that we were talking about. So if you're feeling crabby or you're irritable or you really need to recenter yourself into the love of who you truly are, this meditation will take you there in less than 10 minutes. If you need to feel refreshed or um, you're, you're deeply disturbed, this will also be very, very helpful for you. And I wanted your audience to have that. Well, thank you for, for sharing that with us. Uh, so again, that's selinamaitreya.com and on the blog, on Block Talk Radio forward slash uh, Revealing Conversations, you will find the link. And maybe, maybe we can uh, convince uh, Selena to send us a few pictures of her forest scene, and I can post that today on Facebook. Take a, a, a picture with your phone and send it over. <laughs> I'd be happy to do that. I'd be very happy to do that. Absolutely. I, I would be very happy to do that. <laughs> I just got a, a friend of mine read my book, and there's a, an article, there's a, a chapter about my grandfather uh, being jumped on at the edge of a forest in Bavaria by a man on a bicycle to uh, fight over King Boulay mushroom. And my girlfriend Marina just sent me uh, pictures over my iPhone today of all these mushrooms they found on the coast of Oregon at the coast. So I mm. almost had to get in my car and just drive to the coast just to go mushroom hunting today, you know, because it rained so much. So there are a lot of mushrooms. And I thought, oh, I'm I'm yearning to walk in the forest. So if you are out there today and you're feeling like Selena just said a little crabby or you're feeling down, take a walk in the forest. Go out and walk around the lake. Or we are in beautiful Oregon here. Selena is on the East Coast. There's so many incredible places where we can uh, be uh, unite with nature and breathe in the fresh air. And that's, that's another big thing that... I'm doing with uh, my new um, online course called The Seven Insights 
quantum transformation, the secret to quantum transformation that will start on the 1st of November. You can find that on my website and on Facebook as well. And every one of the insights, uh, there are seven, and the course is nine weeks. We will be talking about Qigong breathing. We will be doing exercises. You will receive a workbook, and we will be teaching you how to meditate and do these very short meditations that make a big difference in your day. And there's one class dedicated to Ho'oponopono. Uh, as well. Forgive me, I'm sorry, thank you, and I love you is the motto of the day. I'm going to be using that today as my mantra as I walk around town. Selena, it was such a pleasure to meet you, and I hope uh, that you will come to the West Coast. I know that uh, Tammy, who put the Life Sparks book together with Denise, they're planning a trip for, you know, a, a, a gathering for all of the authors. So I hope you can fly out and be with us. Well, thank you. I'm not sure if I'm going to make that one because I know I have to be in L.A. for the Holistic Chamber of Commerce. Um, but I will double-check the dates, but it's been a delight to be here. And thank you so very much for all of the wonderful work that you're doing through your books and your workshops and your show. It's such a, a real gift to all of us, Petra, and I, I'm very appreciative. Thank you. Ditto. Right back to you, Selena. It's amazing the work you do, and I'm, I'm so thankful that you uh, came on to that show today. So I wish you a wonderful day, and to the listeners, Enjoy, take a deep breath in, exhale, and be happy, breathing, enjoying the sun rays as they're shining through the window here in Lake Oswego. Signing off, Block Talk Radio forward slash Revealing Conversations with Petra. Have a wonderful day. Ciao, ciao.